Everybody, welcome. It's the new John Simmons show where you can find God's sentence for your life and become the new you, where we talk about finding passion, vision, and faith in your walk with Christ so that your life can overflow with joy, peace, and hope today. Welcome to the show, everybody. Very excited to be with you. I had an interesting conversation earlier this afternoon. You know, yesterday I had announced that we had some big guests on the horizon. And if you tuned into yesterday's show, I'll give you the brief recap. We have my favorite Bible teacher whose recent video, uh, I don't know if it's recent or not, but he has a video on YouTube that has over 15 million views and over 400,000 shares. It's an incredible testimony of how marriage works from a biblical perspective and the difference between men and women. I've learned more from this one Bible teacher than maybe any other. And I'm very excited that earlier this afternoon I had a chance to catch up with him. And tomorrow's show, you'll be able to hear that conversation with Joe McGee. Uh, just an absolute tremendous blessing in my life uh, to first hear the guy speak for the first time. Uh, a life-changing sermon I heard on February 13th, 2013 on a night I didn't want to be at church. I was upset. I had gotten a fight with my roommate. Uh I had plans that weren't coming to fruition in the search for God's plans for my life. And I landed in a church service where Joe McGee was the speaker. And he said, tonight I'm going to talk about marriage. And I remember just being like, oh, goodness gracious. I don't want to talk about this. I'm not dating. I don't have kids. I do not care. But by the end of the message, he had jumped around from various topics, including how we should pray why we should be involved in our local church, how to be a lover, leader, and a provider for our spouse. And all of a sudden, light bulbs started going off left and right in my mind, and I realized, oh my goodness, I'm doing a bunch of stuff wrong in the body of Christ, and I need to fix my bad habits. One of the first things I did immediately upon hearing Joe for the first time was I left that service. This is a true story. I left that service, and I went to volunteer for the parking lot ministry at our church, you know, where they stand out in the sun and they wave to everybody and they say, welcome, come on in, come on in. I volunteered for that because I asked what the worst job was and they said that was it. So I said, sign me up. I'll work my way up. I had never volunteered for anything in my entire life until that moment. That's how powerful his message was that he, God used him to convict my heart in a way where I went from never volunteering, you know, who, who likes to volunteer? I work for money. I love cash. Uh, I have hobbies. Work's not one of them. Uh, so Joe McGee has changed my life in a tremendous way. And I think he can encourage your life. I think he can encourage, uh, many of the things, uh, that are going on in your family. And, uh, so he's, he, he joined the show tomorrow, but I talked to him this afternoon, his brand new book. You don't find a great marriage. You build one is available on his website, Joe McGee ministries.com. You can hear more about that 
conversation tomorrow. I just wanted to start the show off there because we're not going to be live streaming tomorrow evening. So I just wanted to give everybody a heads up. Tomorrow is my wife's birthday, and it's hard to live stream a conversation that I've already had. So uh, we're working out the kinks. I'm hoping in the future that when we do live stream videos of pre-recorded interviews that we'll be able to uh, interact with each other on the show via Facebook and and whatnot. So uh, if you don't know, if you're listening in the car, we live stream this show each and every evening at 9 o'clock where we broadcast live from downtown St. Louis. Very excited. Uh, You can hop over on Facebook. All you have to do is search for the new John Simmons show. We also have our live streams up on YouTube as well. You can get connected with us on social media on all the platforms. Just search for at New John Simmons or the New John Simmons show. So, little news and notes. Don't forget also, starting Friday, uh, we're going to start a brand new uh, weekly teaching on the motivational gifts. Romans 12 has the seven motivational gifts. We want you to find God's sentence for your life. We want you to understand the unique plan that God has for your life. And you're going to be able to uh, learn what those gifts are, figure out what God has in planted inside you. Maybe he's made you a giver. Maybe he's made you a server. Maybe he's made you a teacher or an administrator. Being able to learn what your motivational gift is, is going to allow you to uh, understand the worldview that you have. The reason you act the way you do, the reason that you think the way that you do, the reason that you spend time, the way you spend it, you know, whether you like to be by yourself or you'd rather be in a group, the reason you'd rather work alone or the reason maybe you like to lead projects or the reason you'd like to just take a back seat and let somebody else lead. There's reasons for all of these things. So we're going to go over sort of the characteristics that show us and sort of reveal to us what gifts we're walking in. And once you realize what your gift is, it not only gives you a light bulb of your worldview, but it's also going to sort of guide you to making better decisions and where you work because certain motivational gifts are better suited for different jobs. A very exciting topic. This is very near and dear to my heart. It is one of the primary functions of Testimony House, which is the ministry that supports this show. Testimony House wants you to find the greatest testimony in your life. The greatest testimony in your life comes after you find Christ. Many times you hear people say, well, what's your testimony? And they're referring to your salvation story and all the bad stuff that happened before Christ showed up. Uh, What we've found is those stories are great because they lead us to the cross, but ultimately the greatest story we have to tell is what we've done for Christ when God's been in our lives. We see this ultimately with Jesus, the passion of the Christ. They call that literally, you've seen the movie maybe, the greatest story ever told. And that is the story of the end of Christ's life, not of the beginning. And so for us, if we're trying to emulate Christ in any way, it should be to follow God's will and God's plans for our life. And That's going to be sort of the concept in the discussion of the rest of the show. Three reasons why God's plans are better than ours. This is a difficult thing for the world to understand, that God created us to do something specific with our lives, and that when we follow it, when we're inside God's will, it produces great results. And the world sort of, not only do they have a problem with faith in God in general, But when you tell people, I believe in God and I'm doing what he says, uh, people start to be like, oh, they're brainwashed. This was, I mean, (laughs) to to speak candidly about some of the things that I heard after I got born again in regards to uh, just me starting to do things differently in my life. I remember one of my very good friends. I mean, this guy was very close to me. He, 
he he was convinced and he told me on several occasions that he thought I was brainwashed and he meant it this was a guy I've known a long time and I respected his opinion and he told me that the decisions I was making proved that I was a brainwashed idiot those are big words from a good friend those words are, are they in love maybe sometimes but for this situation when I had found a hope for my life that I'd never had after 10 years of overcoming or not even overcoming 10 years of dealing and battling a gambling addiction to finally see some breakthrough in my life because I started to follow Christ and see the significant change that happened in my heart. Once I got born again to be told by a good friend, man, you're a brainwashed idiot. That was a hard pill to swallow. And I think just because the world standard for what your life should look like is different than what it looks like from a Christian perspective. I'll, I'll show it to you this way. We've Most of us have heard this phrase in the world, you know, that, oh, just do what makes you happy. <laughs> just do what makes you happy. And, you know, every, every decision we make, every person we date, every job we take, every moment we spend watching TV, oh, just do what makes you happy, honey. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about what anybody else tells you. That's true to a sense. But if you're not involving God in your life, if you're doing what makes you happy to the sake of what God wants to show you makes you happy, things are off. So the world tells us to do what makes us happy. And guess what happens when we do these things? Well, the Bible says it this way, and it's sort of a, a rough way. The world doesn't like the way this sounds. Uh, the wages of sin are death. And all this means is that sin is just this, it's this thing that means all we're doing is not doing it right. We're missing the mark. I'm not this Bible-beating preacher who's going to tell you, if you sin, you're going to go to hell. It's true if you don't ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins and realize the need for a Savior. But sin is not this super aggressive word where it means your way or God's way or you're going to die. No, man. God's a loving God. God cares for us. God knows we are going to mess up. And he sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us, in fact, when we mess up. Not to, not to yell at us like an angry father, but to console us like a loving mother. Oh, it's going to be okay, baby. Don't you worry about it. We're going to get through this. You know, you messed up. Yep, you're going to have to pay with the punishment for that. But God's ultimate punishment was paid through the cross, though. And so when the world tells us that we're trying to make ourselves happy, God ultimately says, do what I say makes you happy. And, and, and this, this disconnect takes place between uh, the mind of a believer and the mind of an unbeliever because the unbeliever says what God wants you to do won't make you happy because they can't, they can't even fathom the idea of it. Meanwhile, the Bible tells us that we don't even want to be happy. What do you mean, John? I want to be happy. Of course you want to be happy because we look at the word happy as this ultimate attaining moment in our lives. We're going to be happy. I'm happy now. But to like break down the word, it's a fleeting feeling, fleeting, meaning it can easily pass away. You can be happy you got a job and get in a car accident on the way home. Are you still happy? You know, there are things that happen in our life. Maybe the plumbing stopped. Maybe, you know, your kids got a bad grade. Happiness can go out the window very quickly. However, what the Bible describes, we need to sort of look after in our lives and maybe look towards, look forward to is joy. When God revealed the idea of joy to me, it was a, a moment I'll never forget. He showed it to me when I was writing my book, Finding Faith. 
a book I, I released in 2015, a book that tells my testimony of overcoming my gambling addiction through Christ, starting my new life. Again, we call this the new John Simmons show, not because it's a new show, but become, because I became a new person through Christ. And I want to encourage you to become the new you as well. That's what Christ wants all of us to do. Second Corinthians five seventeen. leave behind your old life, start your new life in Christ. The first time I understood the concept of joy was while I was writing this book and the definition of joy, get this. So the world says, and, and, I, and I would think that most of you agree that the world thinks that we should do what makes us happy. And this is sort of uh, the life motto for all people in the world. Do what makes you happy. If you're, if you're pursuing in life what makes you happy, you know, that's a good thing to be doing. The, the definition of the word joy is to be in a state of happiness. A state of happiness, meaning you're always happy. Now, I told you happiness, by definition, is a fleeting feeling that can change with the circumstances, meaning, you know, you can be happy one moment and not happy the next, even though the thing that made you happy is still there. However, if you are in a state of happiness, you can have joy. And having joy is this ability to maintain a good spirit even under terrible circumstances. This idea that, yes, you're happy today. If you have joy, you're happy and you hear bad news. Yes, you're mad. Yes, you might get angry for a moment. But ultimately, the spirit of calmness, peace, comfort is going to come to you quicker, easier, Sometimes you might be able to even laugh off the problem that comes in the first place. Blessed are the peacemakers, the Bible says in, in, the, in the Beatitudes. This word peacemaker goes down to problem solver. How many of us face a problem in our lives and have joy in it? How many times have something, has something bad happened to you or a circumstance that you don't want to deal with and you have been very excited to solve that problem? Oh, I can't wait to get under the sink. And fix the and fix the leak. I can't wait to go, you know, uh, get the skunk that died out of the, it's underneath the house. Can't wait. Well, Jesus said, "Blessed are the problem solvers." So we should be able to see our problems not as uh, this awful thing that's ruined our day. Now it may have ruined our day. Now don't get me wrong. Uh, it's not like get, having a problem in your life is this wonderful thing. But our attitudes about facing the problems are different. From a Christian worldview, we should see problems as an opportunity to serve other people, which, by the way, is one of the two greatest commandments that Jesus asked of us, to love God and to love others. So if we can learn to serve others, we are fulfilling those commandments in God's path for our life. Finding joy in those moments from an unbeliever's perspective is terribly difficult. Because what does an unbeliever do? They blame everybody else. And they don't see it as a problem to solve. They see it as a problem that's not their problem. Well, get somebody else to do it. Well, I didn't clog the drain. It was my sister. Well, I didn't do it. It was my, you know, the dog ate my homework. Oh, so-and-so made me late for the bus. The world likes to blame it. I mean, it happened. It started in the Bible, first of all. Satan showed up and he, he gave Eve that apple and she took it. And God comes strolling through the garden. He's like, hey, everybody, where you at? And they said, well, we're, we're getting dressed. And they said, who told you you were naked? And what happens? Adam goes, we ate the apple. And who told you? <laughs> you know. So there's this discussion, and what happens? Adam points at Eve, and he says, she made me do it. So from the very beginning of man, it's been our determination to not take the blame. 
And so God looks at Eve. What does Eve do? She says, the serpent made me eat it, right? And so ultimately, because we keep trying to blame other people, the Bible says in Genesis, the very <laughs> these very first stories, that uh, God told the devil that he was going to send his son and he was going to crush his head with his heel. And so now we are able to find joy through what? A trusting relationship in Jesus Christ. Where do we see this in God's word? Romans 15, 13, which says our lives can overflow with joy, peace, and hope if we put our trust in God. Trust is a relationship term that describes the ability to uh, believe that someone else will do something for you. It's the opposite of, of what the worldly standard is to make yourself happy. Trust is to believe that you have the you have the ability to help me. And so if we can put our trust in God and say, God, your plans are better than my plans. God, your will is better than my will. We can first find salvation through this because this is the humility that needs to take place in our hearts for us to understand that we're a sinner and we need Christ to save us. But if we're trying to build the greatest testimony for our life, trying to emulate Christ in any way. It's trying to use our life to serve the kingdom and to serve others. The joy that comes into our life that is eternal. I use this example often, the state of happiness. The world says you want to be happy, and the Bible says, I want you to find joy, and it's the state of happiness. If you stand in the center of Missouri, the state of Missouri, and I said, you need to walk to Iowa or you need to walk to Arkansas, it's going to take a while to get there. Because you're in the state of happiness. And Missouri is the state of happiness, isn't it? Some people call it misery. I'm going to call it happiness for this example, but let you know that it's hard to get out of easily. And this is what being in a state of happiness looks like. We call it joy in the Bible. And we're trying to attain it with our lives. But the world gets confused because when the Christians start saying, you know, follow God's will, the world starts saying, it's not really what you want. It's not really what you want. I want to tell you when we come back the truth about what God's word says about the plans that he has for our lives, the truth about the future that he has for our lives. So we'll be right back here on the New John Simmons Show. It's part of the Testimony House Network. Simmons Show is part of the Testimony House Network. To learn more about the network or to watch other network programs, please visit TestimonyHouse.org. Now, here's the new John Simmons. If you want to stay connected with the show... Lots of ways to do so. We have our podcast up on the Apple iTunes store. Search for the new John Simmons show. We also have our social media accounts, which you can find. Easy for you to say, John. At new John Simmons on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And, of course, the new John Simmons show on Facebook and YouTube. Lots of ways to stay connected with the show because we want to encourage you each and every evening on the radio and wherever you're at 24-7 that you can find a hope and a future through Christ. Your life does not have to... uh, 
be defined as the moments that you've already had, the circumstances that you're currently facing, or the terrible thoughts that you have about your future. I spent 10 years and lost over a half a million dollars trying to do things my own way. I did not realize that God's plans were better than mine. I didn't realize it. I didn't even think that was a, a probability because, you know, I grew up like many people with this idea that, you know, you're supposed to do what makes you happy. That's what the conversation on tonight's show is. Three reasons why God's plans are better than ours. We all try to make our plans because all of us live at least a portion of our life without Christ in it. And so we are all fallen, you know, is, is, is the Christianese term. You know, we're all sinners. We've all messed up. We've all done things our own way without consulting God. And this is, you know, just something that we need to try and learn in our lives to avoid, you know. We're going to mess up every day. The Bible tells us that the righteous man falls seven times a day. It's impossible to be perfect. What it isn't impossible to do is recognize that your plans are not better than God's. God's will for our lives started with the very creation of the earth. From the second we started blaming everyone else in our lives for our problems, God sent the ultimate solution. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, and we're going to look towards him, towards our example for how to find the perfect life for our lives. I told you before the break that I want to discuss this idea and that the world thinks, and when I say the world, I just mean unbelievers. I don't mean the entire world thinks this. Just people who uh, don't have faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, we, we, I think in generalized terms of the world thinks that you do what makes you happy and they can't wrap their mind around this idea that Christians want to do what God asks of them. And some of the Christians even think, how do you know what God's telling you to do? And they get confused or they think that it's not real and God doesn't talk to us today. Uh, I disagree. We have done plenty of shows that God speaks to us today. When he's talking to us, what is he telling us? He's telling us a number of things. Uh, one of the things that we teach on this show is, he is he's showing us is a vision for our lives. So we believe that we're hearing from God. Uh, so when he's talking to us, we're trying to figure out what his plans for our life are. The world can't wrap their mind around this because the world thinks that we're just supposed to do what makes us happy. But God is asking us, he says, you know, do what I say makes you happy. And how do I know? John, how do you know God's plans make us happy? Well, I'm happy you asked because the Bible gives us this direct answer. I don't make the things up that I say. I mean, sometimes they may sound made up. Uh, ultimately, we're trying to stand on the word to, uh, you know, direct the things that we're saying to you to give you encouragement. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 1611. God will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Stop me now. <laughs> the NIV version says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Remember in the first segment, we discussed this word joy, discussed being filled with joy, discussed being in the state of happiness. The world says, do what makes you happy, but the Bible says, find joy through Christ. Psalm 1611 guides us to the truth. Now, if you're a Christian, you should believe that the Bible is the unfallible word of God. This means that we can trust it even if we don't understand it. Okay, that's all it means. We can stand on it to believe that it's factual, that it's truthful, that it's not misguiding us, that it's not directing us in a path that we don't want to go. Psalm 1611 says, 
that God can make what known to us, the path of life. Talk about a direct quote here, the path of life, the path of whose life? Not his life. He already knows the path of his life. The path of your life. God has a plan, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to make it known to you, meaning that you do not have to sit around wondering what God's plan is for your life. You're not going to sit around thinking, well, I don't know if this is right or not. God's going to let you know. It may be through trial and error, which is part of my testimony. After I got born again and God told me three things that I would do with my life when I was seeking my sentence, trying to build my testimony, God told me I would have to quit my job, that I would be a soul winner, and that my faith would encourage others. And so I started to do several things in my life to try and fit God into the box of the three descriptions that he gave to me about my life. I know that it was God talking to me and I didn't make these up because I didn't know what the word soul winner meant. I had to ask other Christians what the term soul winner meant. And they said, you know, it means to lead others to the lost, to lead the lost to Christ. This was a terminology that I had never experienced before, just like the night I got born again. And God told me the kingdom of heaven is upon you. If you've heard my testimony, I had never heard that expression, that phrase. I did not know what it meant, but yet I was hearing it in my mind. And in the same way, I heard God tell me that I was going to be a soul winner. My faith would encourage others and that I'd have to quit my job. And so I tried to fit my will, my plans into that box. So what did John do? Well, my initial, and I tell you this again, you guys don't get it sometimes, I don't think, but I try to be as honest as possible to let you know that we're all on this path together, but God's got a specific path for all of us, but we all can mess up. We all zig and zag, but ultimately God's going to redirect our course. It says he guides our steps. For me, when I was outside of his will, when I was sinful and making my plans because I wasn't you know, trying to consult with him further to make the better plans for my life that come from him, my initial undertaking and trying to allow my faith to encourage others was that I was going to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> I can't, I, I'm embarrassed to tell these stories, guys. I have to tell you, though, because they're truthful. God has a plan for your life, and you can get there. It may not look like what you think it should look like, though, because long before I had a radio show or a ministry that was able to hold revival events and do things that we've done more recently, I was being an idiot Christian who was trying to figure out my plans inside God's box. This is just, we think we know what God wants us to do, and we're just going to sort of guide him in the direction we want him to go, right? I mean, we've all done this, right? Whether it's a person we're dating or it's whether we give ourselves permission to watch a certain show or it's, you know, we do something in our sides, in our lives where we sort of, you know, well, it's okay to have this extra sandwich. You know, God wants me to be healthy. You know, there's these little things that we do in our lives where we're just like, well, it's not that bad, is it? Not finding God's sentence for your life is not going to keep you out of heaven, but it may keep joy out of your life. It may, you know, allow that satisfaction that comes from walking out God's plans to never show up. That feeling in the pit of your stomach, like you wake up and you go, I think my life is meant is worth more than what I see it looking like. I think there's more to life than what I see. We can see that feeling taken away if we start to put our trust in Christ, but we have to realize first that our plans are not better 
than God's. And so for me, when I was trying to be a Christian comedian and I tried all the things, I had this joke book that I had and I carried it around and I wrote down all these jokes and I would start telling them to people and no one would laugh. But I was like, no, God, I'm going to, I'm going to stand in front of other people. My faith's going to encourage other people. After I make them laugh, maybe I'll talk to them about Jesus. I wasn't trying, by the way, to be a Christian comedian. Where are the Christian comedians, by the way? We've got like two of them. Anyway. And then when all the plans that I had to be a Christian comedian, or to be a comedian, I should say, who was a Christian, failed, I started on my next adventure, which, which was to start a band. True story. I got a guitar when I was 12 years old. I loved playing music. I was in bands all throughout school and post-school and even went to California to play with a band for a short time. I loved music. And I was like, well, maybe I'll start a band. And when I get famous, then I'll tell people about Jesus, Lord. My faith can then encourage other people. I'll have to quit my job to do these things and they continued to fail and I, I can go on with the list it didn't stop there I did I think six things I tried literally tried to do with my life before God showed up and said stop it I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do and one day March 23rd it was 2013 on my way to work one night God said John you're gonna start your ministry today <laughs> ah the words of God when they show up in my life I have to ask for instructions and definitions because I didn't know what a ministry was. The only ministry that I'd ever heard of up to that point was the parking lot ministry that I had signed up for at church that I just told you about in the last segment. I'd never heard of the term ministry. I, there was church and there's the parking lot ministry. And so I was thinking, God's told me, John, you're going to start your ministry today. And I'm thinking, I'm going to start a parking lot team. I, I, it didn't make sense in my head. I tell you these embarrassing moments because, look, when God's plans show up in your life, it may not make sense. It may not be what you expected it to be. That's why the world gets confused. Why, John, are you starting a ministry when you've never even mentioned the word or thought about it? Do you think Noah planned on building a boat? Do you think Abraham was like, yeah, well, I'm going to take my family to a new place? Do you think the apostles, as they were fishing on this side of the beach, thought that the next day they'd be sharing Jesus in the <laughs> with with the surrounding areas giving up the family business I doubt it so there's precedent for this kind of behavior Paul was out there killing people killing other Christians and all of a sudden he gets knocked off his horse and all of a sudden his life direction changes think about it guys and when we see the testimonies of these people, when we see the final results of Noah or Abraham or the apostles or Rahab or David, or you can pick your own person, Moses, your favorite Bible person, you see that they do something for Christ that they didn't expect to show up in their lives. Outside of Jesus, knowing probably from the moment that he was there that he was going to die for our sins, absolutely knowing. Outside of him, none of us know what God's ultimate plan is for our life. But they are better than the plans we create for ourselves. Why? I said I'd give you three reasons. We'll go through them here. I'll start with number one before we take our next break. So number one on the list here, our plans don't work out like we expect. I just sort of shared with you some of the plans that I've done that haven't worked out very <laughs> very well. They didn't work out at all, as a matter of fact. And Are you someone who's made plans in your life that didn't work out as you expected? That check wasn't as big. The time you had to spend was a lot more than you thought it would be. You didn't get the grade you wanted. 
The girl didn't call you back after you got ghosted. Sometimes we make plans in our lives that don't work out like we expect. But guess what? God's asking us to raise our expectation levels. But we have to use faith to be patient enough to wait for that expectation level to reach up higher. The world sets very low expectation levels. Very low. Do what makes you happy. Well, I might just be happy eating a bag of Doritos. God says, find joy, be in a state of happiness. And it's done. And it says, Psalm 1611, fill me with joy, the Bible says, when God makes known to you the path of life. Eternal pleasures are available to you. This is what the Bible says. Do you feel like you're living a life with eternal pleasures right now? Are you so happy every day you could get told that, you know, your grandmama broke her foot and you're just like, oh, that's cool. Like, none of us are at this point in our lives. We're able to disregard bad news and find joy in it. But we can get to a place where we're content no matter what our circumstances are. The world can't figure out why we'd want to be a brainwashed Christian. Another friend of mine that I used to roommate with, when I told him I was going to quit my job where I received a paycheck to start a ministry where I received zero paychecks, <laughs> uh, that's another show in itself how that blessing worked. Uh, he told me, and I quote, and I've used this in my book, Finding Faith, God doesn't pay rent, John. My friends were nice, weren't they? They'd tell me I'm a brainwashed idiot. God doesn't pay rent, John. All I know is that I couldn't make sense of it either. I'm, I'm out here living my life trying to figure out what to do now that Jesus has showed up in it. I'm just as confused. I got, you know, one Christian friend who's telling me one thing, and I got ten Ten guys I've, I've known for a long time all sharing the opposite thoughts. God didn't pay rent. You're right. But he said to a lot of people to send some money. A hundred days to give you just a miracle story. You think God doesn't show up in people's lives? I have, uh, now that I've been born again five plus years, I have an, a trail of evidence that show God was in my life the whole time. Every time I made a, a path that the world was just like, what are you doing? I mean, the world would tell you if God told you to quit your paycheck job to start a ministry job that pays zero dollars, you dumb. And in fact, I thought the same thing because God told me to quit my job and it took me two months to do so because I was like, well, I need, I need money coming in. And God's trying to get me to step out off the boat so that he could bring me a blessing, but I'm too worried about getting off the boat to receive it. A hundred days into my ministry. This is a true story. A hundred days into my ministry, a check shows up in the mail with a letter attached to it from a person I've never met who heard about what I had done to start this ministry through a poker dealer that I used to work with. A poker dealer that I used to work with was basically making fun of me at the table to other people. I wasn't even around anymore and people were still talking about me at work. Told one of the poker players about what I had done. They won a poker tournament and sent the winnings to me and said, we want to fund your ministry. True story. Uh, a poker player sent me enough money that funded our ministry for two years. You can't make this stuff up. If I had kept doing my plans, my plans to take the paycheck from the casino and maybe one day be a comedian or maybe one day start a band. If I had followed those plans with my heart, they wouldn't have worked out. And I know we've all got plans in our lives that we think are, this is the one. 
This is the get rich quick scheme. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for. This is the door. I just really feel like this is right. And then we get deep into the path of it and we're just like, this sucks. What's going on? It's not like walking out God's plans a picnic. But if you can be able to walk out that path with joy and be able to, you know, take some punches along the way, if you're able to exercise some faith, maybe there's a hundred day miracle check in your mailbox on its way. But if you get too anxious and you make it to day 99, but then go back to your job, guess what? You're going to miss out. God wants us to exercise our faith. It's one of the three steps we teach here in the ministry and on this show that you can find God's sentence for your life. Passion for God, vision from God, faith to do what God asks. When we come back, we'll go over the last two reasons why God's plans are better than ours. Don't go away. You're listening to The New John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. photos and get the latest news from the show all you have to do is follow at new john simmons on facebook twitter and instagram now let's get back to the new john simmons show Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's the new John Simmons show, part of the Testimony House Network, where you can find God's sentence for your life and become the new you. We hope to encourage you every evening with our broadcast that is, it's sort of pointed. It goes off topic sometimes, but it's pointed in this direction that we want you to face, which is stop looking at your past, stop looking at your circumstances, and start looking for the future God has laid out there for you because you can find hope peace and joy if you do what? You put your trust in God. Trust that he has a plan for your life. Trust that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Trust in him, not in your own ability, not in your neighbor, not in some Buddhist book, but in the Christ that loved us so much that he died for us. We can find salvation through him. And when we find salvation, what's next? How many Christians get stopped after they find Christ and their lives look identical to what it looked like the day they got born again? The Bible says in multiple places that a new life should show up. Romans 6, 4, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We know that a new life should begin. John 3, 16. Like there are these things in our Bible that tells us that our old life, the thing that we used to do should not, you know, be as prevalent as it is after Christ shows up. But ultimately when people are searching for their own plans, trying to do the things that they want to do because the world says, do what makes you happy. And God says, no, do what I've created you to do that makes you happy. <laughs> a little bit of a difference. So tonight's show, three reasons why God's plans are better than ours. The world just can't understand this concept of doing God's will. They think, who has a better intention for our happiness than ourselves? I know what makes me happy. I know what I want to do tonight. I know what I want to do tomorrow. God doesn't know better than me. God can't figure it out better than me. And this is number two on our list of reasons why God's plans are better than ours. Because God has all the information. I like this. 2 Peter 3.8 says, 
Don't forget this one thing, friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. God is time. God is light. Have you ever heard of the speed of light? You know that if a car went or got up to the speed of light and while you were shooting a gun, before you took your finger off the trigger at the speed of light, that car would have gone around the earth seven times. That's how fast light is. God has no concept of a time. If you were on a rocket ship and you were at the speed of light and you went 80 years out and 80 years back, you would be the same age and all of us would have on earth would have grown 80 years. God is light. God doesn't understand time. Why is this important? Because it shows us that God has all the information. You ever heard this phrase, you can't see the forest through the trees? The only perspective we have in our lives is our own. We can only see the direction we're looking. Meanwhile, God's got an overhead view of the forest that we're standing in. He knows all the ways out. He knows which way is best, which is fastest, which is most you know, crucial to getting us where we need to go next. He also sees all the other forces that can be involved, whether it's the relationships we have in other people, whether it's pitfalls we need to avoid because we will fall in them if we get close enough. And that pitfall could be a relationship or an attitude or a, a behavior. God has all the information that's ever been created. And if we don't look to God, listen to this, if we don't look to God to help us make plans in our lives, we're going to fail. <laughs> Again, I quote the Bible here, Proverbs 15, 22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. If you make plans without advice, and ultimately here we're talking about advice from God, if you are doing things without prayer, without talking to other Christians, without you know meditating on God's word, without looking to see if it agrees and lines up with the things that God wants us to do, what's the best way to do this? Motivate understand the motivations of your heart. The greatest two commandments Jesus said, listen to this closely, is that there are uh, we're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and that we're supposed to love others as ourselves. If the choice that you're about to make is motivated by your desire to do it and not the desire to love God or love others, we're out of line, okay? So any selfish choice is ultimately going to be seen as a sinful one. Doesn't mean that it's a bad one. Doesn't mean we're going to get in all this trouble for it. Doesn't mean people are going to hate us or that God's going to condemn us. It just means we missed the mark. It means we need to, you know, get on the right path. God has all the information because he is the alpha. He's the omega. He's seen everything from the beginning of time to the end of time. He knows the greatest plan for your life because he has all the information. You and I may think that, and I definitely thought this, that I was, especially when I was gambling, I was doing the best thing possible for my life. I was playing in the right poker tournaments. I made the right decisions at the table. I lived in the right apartment. I lived in the right city. I did all of these things right. After 10 years, I realized that I hadn't done a whole lot right. I didn't ask God for counsel or advice. My plans failed. That's what the Bible says happens when you make plans without advice. God has all the information. So with that being truthful, with God having all the information, what can we trust? his advice. If God has a plan for us, if God has advice for us, we can take it. We can cash that check. And this is one of the reasons why God's plan is better than our own. Our final reason tonight on why God's plans are best, because God knows what you are perfectly suited for. We don't know. I just shared the embarrassing story of all the dumb things I tried to do to match up with something I heard from God. 
I didn't understand my motivational gifts. I didn't understand the talents that I had. I didn't, you know, this desire you've had to do something your whole life. The reason that you really like certain hobbies or the reason you really love organizing your room or the reason that you really love giving, you know, your hand-me-downs to your siblings while your other siblings say you can't touch anything of mine. There are reasons we act this way. Reasons some of us can be tall enough to dunk a basketball, but others of us can't. There are reasons that we're built the way we're built. The reasons that we have the color of skin we have. The reasons we see the world the way we do. The reasons we're born in the place that we're born. How on earth can you put together all of the things that are inside of you in the best way to make the biggest impact on the world? Because you don't have all the information. God created DNA. Guess what's in our DNA? Our soul. It's the reason we like mushrooms over pepperonis. It's the reason that we like horror movies instead of comedies. It's the reason that we like brunettes and not blondes. It's the, our DNA is the reason that we're the size that we are. <laughs> the DNA is not just some scientific term that helps convict killers on TV shows. DNA is, is what God created to make us individual. Jeremiah 1.5 says that in the womb, now it, specifically in the womb, when our DNA is created in the womb, God says, I knew you. He knew what you were going to look like, smell like, what you were going to want to eat, what you were going to watch, who you were going to want to spend time with. And ultimately, he knew the gifts and talents that he placed inside you. All of these things are determined, by the way, by our DNA. God knows what plans you're best suited for because he created you. Multiple times in the Bible says you've been created by God. And also it says you've been created by God in Ephesians 2.10 to do good works through Christ Jesus, meaning you need to find Christ. You can't just be doing the best thing for your life without Christ. You may be happy without Christ, but we find joy through Christ. Through doing what? Putting our trust in him. Trust is about a relationship. You can't trust a stranger, can you? You have to get to know someone through quality time and communication. I may see somebody every day in the hallway. We might say hi to each other, but if we don't talk, am I going to put my trust in them to watch my children or my trust in them to do something else that's important to me. Now, if I see you every day at work and we have a conversation and I get to know you and your family, then we've begun to build a level of trust. And what about two years from now or 10 years from now? We've still worked together this whole time. And now I have a huge database of information about you and what you like and all this information we've exchanged over the years. My trust level in you is probably increased. This is what a relationship of trust looks like with Christ. We do this every day in our normal lives, guys. I'm trying to explain it this way to let you know that loving Christ, that putting your faith in Christ is not this crazy concept that the world thinks it is. We build relationships with people every day. We don't build relationships every day, though, with the person who died on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternal life through him. And guess what? When we find Christ, Romans 10:9 says we find Christ by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Christ is Lord. When we do that, we can start hearing from God. The Holy Spirit shows up, start reading our Bible, start praying. We start hearing from God, and guess what he starts to tell us? The plans he has for us. Throughout the Bible, anytime you see, thus saith the Lord, or uh, the Lord spoke to me in a dream, he's all giving direction. Go here, do this. This is something I need you to do. In your life, when you hear from God, he's giving you these similar types of instructions. I need you to go here. I need you to f talk to this person. I need you to pray for this thing. 
These things are called plans. And our plans are not as good as the plans God has for us. I've given you three reasons why they're not. It's up to you to have the faith to believe it and walk those things out. And stop saying, God doesn't pay my rent and I'm a brainwashed idiot. And, and you know, understand that God is so much more than that. He's so much more than this throwaway term that unbelievers use in regards to faith. You can find God's plan for your life. Ephesians 1 tells us that all we have to do is pray and ask for it. Spiritual wisdom and insight. You can pray for God's plans for your life and you can find them. Seek the advice of God and as Psalm 1611 will leave the show with this. God can show you the way of life. He grants you the joy of his presence and the pleasures of living with him forever. Guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank Mr. Integrity and Curtis behind the boards tonight with me. And I want to thank all of you for watching on Facebook and catching up with us on NewJohnSimmons.com. Until next time, guys, I pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today. Thanks for listening to the new John Simmons Show, part of the Testimony House Network. To replay this episode or listen to past episodes, look for the new John Simmons Show podcast on your mobile device. Stay connected to the show. Read the latest news, blog posts, and see behind-the-scenes photos by following at New John Simmons on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to learn more about how you can begin to write God's sentence for your life, or join a growing community of people who are finding passion, vision, and faith for their lives, please visit newjohnsimmons.com. Until next time, we pray you discover a future and a hope for your life today.